Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you for your giving tonight. Anybody excited to have Pastor Tony Sores in the house? Listen, I can say a lot about him. He's written a new book called Revival Makers. He brought it with him. It is out in the lobby. I want to make sure that you buy everything he has. I don't want him to have to put one book back in his car to drive back to Tennessee. We are truly honored to have you, sir. Uh, you are a general in the kingdom and revival follows you, um, and we're excited tonight here at Bethesda Church to host you. We know God has put something in you specifically for our house and for us as individuals, so I'm going to ask you, Bethesda Church, can you stand to your feet and make the men of God feel welcome tonight? Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Tony Suarez. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you, Pastor. Hallelujah. Man, it's good to be back in West Virginia. Hallelujah. My goodness. Man, I feel loved here tonight. I just I was dealing with a little insecurity, and then the Lord sent me to Bethesda. I feel good about myself again. Amen. You could be seated in the presence of the Lord. One of my closest friends is Jonathan Miller. He called me. He said, bro. Have you ever been to Bethesda? I'm like, I'm like that's my favorite church. And then Pastor Tony Stewart was here, a great general in the faith, great man of God. He just celebrated his 50th birthday. Think about that. He came and had his birthday party here at Bethesda. I said, well, my God, if everybody's coming, I'm coming too. So I didn't even get the invite. I just came on my own. I just showed up here. I just, but it is so good to be here. I love seeing that baptistry front and center right smack dab in the middle of everything. The Lord gave me a word last year and I've been speaking it everywhere and I'm going to speak it over you. Revival is not coming. Revival is here. There's not something greater coming a hundred years, 50 or 20 years. These are the days that were spoken of by the prophet Joel when he said in the last day saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The church has been waiting for this moment, and the moment has arrived. Amen. All my life, I'm a third-generation Pentecostal. All my life, we'd go to youth camps, youth services, gen, you know, revivals like this. We'd have wonderful moves of God. He'd be carrying people out to the, to the cars, you know, sloppy, drunk in the Holy Ghost, and you know, some people, some people caught holy laughter and other people just speaking in tongues and couldn't stand up. You'd have to carry people to the cars and 32 would get the Holy Ghost and 27 get baptized. And I mean, all kinds of, and there, there'd always be this elder would come and get the mics. You haven't seen anything yet. Something greater's coming down the road. And you're like, oh my God. I mean, you know, that was pretty good. Well, no longer in Jesus' name. It's here. You have to step into it, but I'm telling you, it's here. You remember not, you know, I probably shouldn't use the, the, the 
you know, the new C word as, uh, as the example. But you remember uh, January 2020, they said, I won't say the word, but, you know, I, I, I'm tired of talking about it. Why did I bring it up? They said, I'll call it by its old name, Corona is here. You remember that? And, and, and all of us said, no, it's not. It was in a small little community in Washington State, but in a blink of an eye, however you interpret it all, it was everywhere. You remember that? I mean, it went from just being in one little place to, again, however you interpret this season, it went from one little place to affecting all of our lives. Well, I'm telling you, revival is here. Now, not every church has stepped into it. Not every denomination has embraced it. But that does not negate the fact revival is here. This is the former and the latter reign together. So I was preaching for a church in Arizona um, about a year and a half ago on the subject of revival because we've been chasing revival forever, pursuing the move of God. It just came out of my spirit. The Lord said, I don't need revival chasers. I need revival makers. We went home and rebranded the entire ministry. I've made it my life's call till Jesus comes or the grave finds me. I'm going to raise up revival makers, people that can cause a move of God. What does that mean? It means to be a Mark 16 believer. We don't have to chase down every prophet, every apostle, and you can be a move of God. You can have a move of God in your family, in your community, this nation. What this nation needs is not a third political party. It needs the third great awakening, an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Listen, an outpouring of the Holy Ghost will fix everything. It was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It was the Pentecost, the modern day Pentecostal revival that brought the original integration of the church. When nobody else could worship together, Pentecostals could worship together because we were, we were just focused on the Holy Ghost. All of these gender wars you see being fought out today and, you know, women's power. And every time God's ever wanted to do something great on the earth, he's always started with a woman. He started with Mary. And then in 1901, a little lady named Agnes Osmond and a little lady named Lucy Farrell, some, the first two baptized in the Holy Ghost. Lucy, Lucy, forgive me, Agnes got the Holy Ghost before her teacher, Charles Parham, got the Holy Ghost. And he taught her. And she wrote in Chinese for three days. And he said, what's it like? I know I taught you about it, but tell me what the Holy Ghost is like. She couldn't tell him. She couldn't speak English for three days. So that should take care of the gender wars right now. Women's power. Glory to God. So you want to fix all of the issues? Just have Holy Ghost revival. Amen. What America needs right now, we don't need to sit in out, around another you know, table and each of us talk about our hurts because we don't fix anything. We just leave upset because we remember everything all over again. What we need is a good old-fashioned prayer meeting, and we need to all get baptized or rebaptized in the Holy Ghost until God is in charge of our minds, our hearts, our thought process, and that'll fix a lot. So that book is available outside, and then there's another one called Hearts of Fire. I have partnered with a wonderful ministry called Voice of the Martyrs. The older I get, the less interested I am and arguing with church people. This book was never meant to be argued about. This book was meant to be used as a weapon, not against your brother. This isn't so that Pentecostals and Baptists can go to war or Catholics and Lutherans can fight each other. 
This is to propagate and preach the gospel. That's what this is. It's the gospel. You know, today is the anniversary of when William Tyndale was burned at the stake for translating this book in English. I'm so thankful today that Brother Tyndale took a stand and put this book in English. But the older I get, the less interested I am in fighting religious wars. There are over 2,000 language groups. The last time I preached in this church, I preached about the rapture. Scared some of y'all. Yeah, some of you remember. Oh, no, it's that guy. I thought he's a little heavier than the last time. That's why I didn't recognize him. He didn't wear socks. Um, If I'd have remembered the stage was this high, brother, I'd have worn socks. I I, I thought, you know, I thought you were going to cover my Miami Vice. You know, I'm Latino. Got a little flash in me, so, you know. You said, brother, we could tell with that jacket right there. Glory to God. When I first started preaching, when I I should say re-preaching with an emphasis on the rapture, in 2018, there was 4,000 language groups that didn't have a Bible in their language. So think about it. From Calvary to 2018, there was still 4,000 language groups that didn't have a Bible in their language. They've never heard the name of Jesus. They don't know that God so loved the world. I mean, they don't know any of it. From 2018 to 2022, that number has decreased from 4,000 to 2,000. That means there's an acceleration in, the, in time. Why? Because Jesus is coming. And I've partnered with this ministry called Voice of the Martyrs. Their ministry is to the persecuted regions of the world. So these are the people that are helping fund revival in Afghanistan, in Iraq, uh, they take weather balloons. This one, I've never seen, they had to show it to me. I mean, I saw it. They take weather balloons and they fill them up with New Testaments and they send the weather balloons way up into the sky so that they fly over into North Korea. And North Korea just thinks they're weather balloons. But once they hit a certain level of atmosphere uh, uh, in the sky and the atmosphere, they pop. And when they pop, it rains Bibles all over North Korea which is illegal. It's illegal. But the reason we know it is because when the defectors get to South Korea or to China, they come out confessing that they're Christians and they say, how could you be Christians? And they'll say, one day I was in a field and it just started raining Bibles. That's a real testimony. I'm telling you, Holy Ghost revival is here, ladies and gentlemen, like the days of old. And so I partnered with Voice of the Martyrs, because it's my heart's cry. I want to help fund Bible translation. I want to help fund missionaries. And so there's a book out there called Hearts of Fire. It's the story of eight different women and their story about how they're preaching the gospel around the world. So uh, if you'll visit that product table and help us, uh, both books are out there. You can get both, um, uh, and it'll be a blessing to you. And those, by the way, I do have five teenagers at home, but the, those books aren't to feed the teenagers. Glory to God. It's for revival. Someone called the ministry, you, do you feed starving children? I said, yes, I do. Five of them, they all live in my house. But that's not what the book table is for. That's the fun Holy Ghost revival. We set up tents and stuff around the country, and so I thank you in advance. Amen? That wasn't my sermon. Don't get discouraged. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? I'm going to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3 and verse 2. You know, this pulpit's a little tall, you know, I just, if I spin it, maybe it'll, it will. Well, you might have to spin it a long time. Ooh, glory. Ooh, the anointing. My God, even the Bible's falling out tonight. Ooh, my God, look. It's knocked three people out. I didn't even have to shout fire tonight. That's powerful. Yeah, that's my size. All right. Habakkuk. 
Habakkuk chapter 3. Lord, help me to get this back tonight. Mercy. Pastor Chad got up and said the last night's the best night, and then they brought the clown. Hallelujah. Habakkuk 3, chapter, Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. And um, I'm going to do something I normally don't do in a Pentecostal church. It's still a Pentecostal church, right? Okay, all right, I'm just making sure. I'm going to do something I normally don't do in a Pentecostal church. I'm going to read from the NIV. Glory to God. Someone said, my God, this is false doctrine right there. But it preaches good tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. I want to uh, share something from this translation that I read that really touched my life. And I told Pastor, I said, I'm really just wanting to share with you um, my, my heart's desire for the church. Uh, I've never preached this sermon before until this week. I think it's the second time I've shared it with somebody. I don't really have any notes for it. And if you don't believe me, you just wanted this to monitor and make sure my kids don't leave the house. And this one is the NIV because I would never care. And I mean, just, uh, just so you know, but I want to share with you what I feel the Lord has placed in my heart for you. Habakkuk 3 and 2, it says, Lord, I've heard of your fame and I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. And I ask you, repeat them in our day and in our time, make them known and in wrath, remember mercy. The message says, God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you and I'm stopped in my tracks, down on my knees. Do amongst us what you did amongst them. Work among us as you worked among them. And as you bring judgment, as you surely must, remember mercy. One other translation says, Lord, your fame has gone before you. And all I ask is do it again. That's what I want to preach to you today. It's my heart's prayer. Lord, do it again. Would you say it with me, Lord? Do it again. Father, use me for your glory tonight. I pray that an anointing would come upon me to minister to your people for your namesake, for the glory of your namesake. Let everything I say and do point to you. And I ask that you would confirm it with signs, miracles, and wonders. And we declare the house is ready for ministry in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you praise them one more time as you're seated tonight? Hallelujah. Lord, do it again. In this season that we've come through, I've spent a lot of time reminiscing. I'm an old soul, and uh, I like older music. I like the way things used to be. I don't hate technology, but I like to reminisce. Nostalgia can be good and bad. It's bad when you get stuck in it. It's good when you appreciate it. You got to appreciate where you come from. You got to appreciate what made you the person that you are and what brought you to where you are. And so when the world shut down and uh, we were all kind of stuck at home, if you will, I re I'm just going to be very transparent. I really struggled with it. I really struggled with it because I didn't have a point of reference for it. I couldn't find, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in revival. I'm a student of revival. I pray for revival. 
And I was having a hard time finding in not only the Bible, but in the books of history of the church. I was having a hard time finding where Oral Roberts ever shut his tent down because somebody was too sick. I was, I was struggling. I was looking at the, at the Voice of Healing movement. I was looking at Alan and Branham and Cole and just looking for a point of reference where anybody ever just completely closed up shop, okay? I'm just, I'm just being very transparent with you. I, I, was, I was struggling with it, and I was struggling with it because my father, who had passed away eight years ago, he came from the country of Colombia. He lived through true persecution. Their churches were bombed. Their water wells were poisoned. My father stood on a street corner preaching the gospel and singing. He would play the guitar and sing and then, <clears throat> and then pick up his Bible and preach. And a government-sanctioned gang came by with rocks and stoned my father and left him for dead. And when my dad told me that story when I was a little boy, I said, Dad, I hoped you sued him. I said, what'd you do? He said, I got up, I dusted myself off, I cleaned the blood off, and I kept preaching, and I kept singing, because God told me to go to that corner and establish the kingdom there. You know what my prayer is right now after all these closures? Lord, do it again. Let a passion for revival and for evangelism stir up in the church again where we're not so consumed with politics that we forget that we're modern day prophets. We're not, where we're not so consumed by how people attack us and how they criticize us as much as we're consumed by the calling and the mandate that is on our life to go and preach to every creature, to preach and to baptize and to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. All I ask you, Lord, is Lord, do it again. And in that season, I watched a lot of black and white film, a lot of black and white videos of men that you may know or you might not know, men like Billy Sunday and men, uh, a Pentecostal evangelist that was, I mean, as bold as a lion named Jack Cole who would call the sick up and they would come with cancers on their body. He would take his thumb. I mean, you find them on YouTube. It's not like I got them hiding in my basement. I'm telling you, you go find them. Jack Cole would start rubbing and that cancer would fall off their face. A.A. Allen would have the hospital beds be brought into the tent and they would jump up completely healed. When AAL, and I have some mentors and some elders in my life that are connected to elders that used to work for Brother Allen and they worked for Brother Branham. And they said that before you ever got an opportunity to minister in the main tent, there was other tents where you were sent to learn the gift. So there was a tent for the blind, there was a tent for the deaf, there was a tent for the invalids. And you had to go start there. They'd say, you go work that tent. So imagine walking into a tent where there's 500 people laying on hospital beds and you're the one that has to go raise them up. Or 100 or 200 blind individuals and, they're, and, and they say, go do it. Let me know how it goes. You say, oh, no, 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 we got that. You can't send the novice. We need, we need the great apostles. Send me Benny Hinn to that tent. No, 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 the Benny Hinn's of that day said, no, no, send me the guy that no one knows. 
Let him learn and hear, because if all he wants is this, he must just want the lights and the mic. But let's see if it's a true calling. Let's see if it's a true anointing. Let's see if they know how to tap into the power of the Holy Ghost and not take credit for it, not put it on video for their own glory. But let's see if they can go and pray and cast out devils when no one is watching. And I was, I mean, I'm telling you, I was consumed consumed watching it and a holy frustration would raise up in me because I long for the days of old I long for that move of God and what frustrates me is I know too much about him He's not simply the God of yesterday. He's the God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. Which means if he's the God of all eras, then nothing about him has changed. So if he did it in black and white, then I can see him do it in living color. Why have we relegated miracles to the days of old? Why have we relegated tent revivals to eras gone by? Why have we left him as merely the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob rather than being the God of Chad and Tony and Eric why do we talk about him as just simply a Jewish savior when we know him to be the savior of all I want God to know that there is a people on this earth that has so much faith we don't want to simply read about what you did but our hearts cry is Lord do it again give him praise in this tabernacle Lord I ask you do it again In the denomination I was raised in, they used to sing this little song. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. God's going to pour out his spirit on all men. Like the days of old, revival's coming again. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. That's my heart's cry. Like the days of old. Father, do it again. I am a product of a Pentecostal church that had altar calls. I don't remember every sermon I heard, but I remember every move of God that got a hold of my life. I remember when God set me free in a Pentecostal altar. I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in an altar. I remember going to a watery grave February the 19th, 1989. I was nine years old, but I was aware that when I went into that water, I was coming out a new creature and what America and the world needs is another fire baptized church that still believes there's salvation in the water. There's deliverance in the altar. There's power in the house. Lord, do it again. Do it again. I was talking to pastor. You know, um, the Lord is dealing with my heart about the river of revival. I'm just talking to you tonight. And he said this last move of God is going to be a convergence of the streams. And I had to really just let this sink into me. This is an ongoing conversation with the Lord. This isn't a one-time thing. It's a convergence of streams. We have been divided by streams for many years. Oh, I'm word of faith. Well, I'm Pentecostal. Well, I'm apostolic. I'm charismatic. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. We, and all, uh, I'm word of faith. I'm prosperity. I'm Baptist. I'm this. And we've got all these streams. And all of these streams have a measure of truth. But we've been fighting each other. 
can't get along with each other, can't worship and fellowship. We criticize and act like one has more truth than the other when the reality is you need all of these streams for revival. And the Lord said the last move of God is going to be a convergence of the streams. And I'm just, you know, again, I don't know. I, I, I didn't pay attention a whole lot in science class, Pastor, if I'm just be honest with you. I was more, you know, more uh, consumed with lunch. and <laughs> I like social studies, but I really liked lunch. I was A plus there. I was in the gifted class for lunch, you know. But a river... This is, what, this is what they helped me learn this last year and a half. A river is when streams come together. That's what forms a river. And the Lord said the last move of God is going to be the river of revival. It's when all these streams come together. In this last move of God, you won't be able to uh, dictate and say, well, this is word of faith and this is prosperity and this is Pentecostal and this is charismatic and this is, you know, it's when it all starts flowing together and rather than have a measure of truth, we're all going to walk in the fullness of truth. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. Why'd you stop walking? Why did we allow the religious spirit to tell us, I have everything I'll ever need. I've learned everything. Why? I mean, you don't, you've been married to your spouse for 32 years and they still surprise you. Why would you think you know everything about God and everything about his promises? This is an evolving relationship. The longer I walk with him, the more I get to know about him. I got a friend in Virginia Beach. She's 90 years young. She turns 90 in two weeks. And I was talking to her not too long ago and she said, Tony, God showed me something I've never seen before. I don't even remember what she told me. God told her. I was just blown away by the, by the fact that she's 90. She's been walking with the Lord since she was about five. And at 90, she's seeing things she's never saw before. I said, God... When I get to be 90, let me be like her. Let me be able to still open this book and still stand in awe at your wonder and say, wow, God, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still maturing. I'm still evolving in my faith. And as I do that, God shows me new things. So in this conversation I've been having with the Lord, Again, you can, I'll prove to you this is just, you know, my conversation. Because if not, I would have brought props to really show this. There are wells. That's how I'm going to describe it. And for the sake of time, because it's the last night of the revival, I'm only going to focus on four. There's wells of truth that have been capped off that the world needs right now. When I say the world, I'm talking about the world at large and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to have this last great move of God, these wells have to be uncapped. And today my prayer is that as I describe each one of these wells to you, my prayer is that as I describe them to you, that the, uh, and, and as we uncap them prophetically for this house and for this region, our prayer will be, Lord, do it again. The first well I want to deal with today is the word of faith. You can't take dominion and have authority on the earth if you don't learn to act and talk like Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says that you are the seed of Abraham. Abraham spoke and God said, not one of your words is going to fall to the ground. 
And that's your spiritual father, and you're part of that lineage. If that promise belonged to Abraham, then that promise belongs to you as well. And then in the New Testament, Jesus said, the things that I do, so shall you do, and things greater than these. Jesus, when he prayed for the sick, and we're going to talk about the well of, of, of healing in a moment, I don't have evidence of Jesus taking a sick person to a room and saying, Father, oh, please heal him. He spoke to the condition with authority. He took dominion, and it was done. When I pray for the sick, I, I don't lay hands. Oh, God, would you please? I speak to the condition. I speak to that organ. I speak to that bone. I command it. I get criticized all over the Internet. People, you're doing a whole lot of commanding up there. Well, yeah. Yeah, because I'm the seed of Abraham. I'm joint heirs with Christ to the promises of God the Father. I do it the way Jesus did it. He said, what I do, so shall you do, and things greater than these. Why? Because he had a three-year ministry on the earth, and I'm a minister until that trumpet sounds. And so we take authority. We speak. Jesus said, you speak to that mountain, and you tell it to be removed. You don't ask it. Would you please move? Would you kindly consider getting out of my way so we can have Holy Ghost revival? Hey, spirit of Islam. Hey, spirit of wokeism. Would you please just kindly remove yourself so that we... No, 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 no. We take dominion. We take authority. We speak as the oracle of God. We're heaven's microphone. And if you'll speak it, God said, I'll back it up. He said, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. He said, I'm going to give you the keys to kingdom. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And if you'll speak it on the earth, it'll be done in heaven. If you'll bind it on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. That means take that apostolic authority you have in your mouth and decree no weapon formed against your children shall prosper. There will not be a school shooting at the school where your children go. That marriage will not end in divorce. I will not let this nation fall to wokeism and to the spirit of liberalism. You got to raise your voice and do a little less complaining on Facebook and a lot more prophesying into the air. Father, do it again. I uncap the well of the word of faith tonight in Jesus' name, and I say let the people speak with dominion. Let the people speak with authority. Let them call things as though they were, and let it be established on the earth as it is in heaven. I took my kids for the first time. We were reminiscing talking with my kids, the first time I took them to Disney World was, I believe it was 2010. And if you've ever gone, you know that, that, that man, they love money over there. Don't you ever criticize the church if you go to Disney? I want to hear you talk about the church. I mean, they love m money over there. They like, they, they, well, anyways. And it took a lot of money and a lot of savings to take them for the first time. I mean, we were church planners. We didn't have a lot. I get to Disney. We're in line at the Magic Kingdom to get on a specific ride, and it starts raining. All I see are dollar bills going down the gutter. Every drop of rain looked like another dollar bill going down. It's amazing. Disney, that cotton, the guy selling the cotton candy, the rain falls. Turns into a $25 umbrella. Just like that. I mean, they put something into cotton candy. And I am visibly frustrated because we're losing our vacation. 
And my son, he was six years old at the time, starts pulling on my jacket. Daddy, what are we going to do? I love to tell you that I had some kind of spiritual answer in the moment. I was just frustrated. I said, I don't know. Pray about it. But I was, I didn't actually mean pray. I was just like, you know, I'm from Chicago. So, I, you know, I meant to use the very harsh term of saying, hush, shush, Archie Bunker, stifle yourself. Daddy, what are you going to do? He's pulling my job. I pray about it. That boy had heard his daddy pray. So right there in front of Tomorrowland, put his feet down. He said, Lord Jesus, ah, I speak faith. I mean, he tuned up into E-flat. You old Pentecostals know what I'm talking about. We used to have an organ up here. Lord Jesus, ah, I speak favor ah, over my vacation. Ah. And right then, I'm like, I walked away. I'm like, I don't know him. He showed up. He's just in the line. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where he came from. I mean, he was loud. People are looking at it. I speak favor. Ah, that's how I used to preach. Over my vacation. Ah, I command the rain ah, to stop ah, right now ah, in the name of Jesus. Ah. And as God, as my witness, ladies and gentlemen, a cold gust of wind blew through the magic kingdom and the rain stopped. I know someone says, do you really think God cares about your vacation that much? No, he cares about teaching my child the power of prayer and the power of the spoken word. And if God would do that for my boy in the magic kingdom, why wouldn't he do it for your children? Why wouldn't he do it for this nation? Why wouldn't he do it for this church? I dare you to pray something radical, speak something out, and then stand and see the sound. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Someone give God a praise in this house. Oh, I feel him in this place. Hey, I wish I could tell you that in that moment, I stood on the other side and said, Behold, my beloved son, when thou prayest, thine heavenly father answereth thee. I'm telling you, that rain stopped. And he said. <laughs> and I looked at him and said. And I'm the faith preacher. I'm not. Listen, I don't. <laughs> you could tell I'm already extra. I don't have to exaggerate. Right then and then, I got my wallet. I said, baby, pray for daddy's wallet. Here, pray, pray. Here, pray for daddy. No catcher. I fell right out in Tomorrowland. I'm like, here, just. That boy, that boy was convinced that he could control weather patterns. He was on a travel baseball team. I'm telling you the absolute truth. I, I wish he was here so, he could, so you could see his face. He played travel baseball. And every time he was up to pitch, if he went out there and there was clouds in the sky and the rest of the team, oh, man, we're going to get rained out. Cole would say, don't worry. I got this one. Lord Jesus, I command the rain. He thought you had to tune up to stop. You know, I command the rain to stop. He said, I, I, I don't know about that one. Well, good. Let me give you another one. 
there was a man in the Bible named Joshua. He needed a little more sunlight to finish the battle. And he prayed a radical, unscientific, illogical prayer. He said, I command the sun to stand still. Now, you know that that's scientifically incorrect. You know that what he was praying for scientifically can't happen. But he didn't know no better. All he knew is that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think. So he prayed a crazy prayer and a God in heaven heard him and that God said, if that boy is crazy enough to pray that prayer, then I'm God enough to answer that prayer. And all I came to say is, Lord, do it again. Raise up some Joshua's. Raise up some young people. Raise up some seniors and some adults that'll pray some audacious, crazy, radical prayers like America shall be saved. Our children will not be given to spirits of this world. Our children won't vape. Our children won't do drugs. Our children won't cut them. Our children will serve the Lord. I uncapped the well of the word of faith in Jesus' name. Start speaking as the oracle of the Lord. Decree. Wake up in the morning. Old Pentecostal preacher named T.F. Tenney. Gone on to be with the Lord. He said, Brother Tony, I wake up every morning and I say, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. He said, because some days you got a will to do it. Some days everything going on in your life doesn't lend itself to rejoicing, but I wake up with a proclamation on my mouth. God created this day and I'm not going to let the devil mess it up. I'm not going to let the devil rob my joy. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. I will prosper. I will be blessed. My children will serve the Lord. There's power in the spoken word. Bible says there's life and death in the tongue. We need to recapture this truth. Now, here's the thing about all these whales I'm going to talk about. They were capped off because someone abused it. Someone took it somewhere it wasn't supposed to go. Someone abused it or manipulated it or merchandised it. Someone muddied the waters. But rather than clean it up, we capped it off. And so now a generation has arisen that doesn't know the power of the spoken word. Some of you in this room, you take for granted what you were raised hearing and listening and learning in church. Your children don't know the power of the spoken word. Your kids come to church, speak in tongues, and then I won't talk about your kids. I'll talk about my kids. My kids speak with tongues. My kids are water baptized. My kids travel with me everywhere I go to preach for the most part. And my kid, just a few months ago, we're in a great service. I mean, God's moving. My kid's up there. I mean, I mean, just lost. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm up next. He's, he's, good luck. Good luck. For you old-time Pentecostals, could you remember, could you, could you imagine telling your preacher, hey, good luck up there. Fingers crossed. Man. They'd have taken their belt off right in the middle of church even if, they, if, even if you weren't their kid. Because it wasn't about luck. It wasn't about ability. It was the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need our children to know these truths because here's what happens. If you don't pass on the truth, 
it dies. I am, I, I, my father was from Columbia, so I grew up being bilingual in our house. Every time I wanted to talk to my dad, I talked to him in Spanish. That was his language. My father passed away eight years ago. I don't have to speak Spanish as much as I used to. He was the primary person I would speak Spanish to. My grandmother passed away a few months ago, or a few, uh, just about a year ago. So I really don't, I, I mean, I really don't have that many people to speak in Spanish to. So guess who doesn't speak in Spanish? Guess who doesn't speak Spanish? My children. They say that less than 30% of the Pentecostal church speaks in tongues these days. You know, you want to know why? You stop speaking in tongues. People stop speaking the word of faith. When you stop speaking these things and acting these things, it dies. And then it's, we, it's almost like we got to re-evangelize a generation that should have it as an inheritance, but they don't know. So there's this well of the word of faith. I think I spent enough time here. I think you got it. This next one is the well of healing. This one has also been manipulated, coerced, and muddied. And someone capped it off, said, no, 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 no. We, 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 it's too, 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 much, too much show. I believe, I hope I'm not saying too much. I believe that the seeker-sensitive movement started with good intentions. We want to make the church uh, welcoming to the visitors. But whoever told you that to make it welcoming, you got to turn off signs, miracles, and wonders. Well, we don't want to talk in tongues, we don't want to speak in tongues in front of the visitors and weird them out. Well, then you're going to have to, you know, take a sharpie to that verse that says that tongues is signs, is the sign to the unbelievers. You have to take that one out. You're going to have to take that one out where Paul said, I didn't come with eloquent speech, but I came in demonstration and in power. It's the signs, the miracles, and the wonders that speak to the greatness of our God. You can argue theology all day long, but you can't argue away an experience. It's like that boy in John 11 when they were trying to talk him out of his miracle. And how did you allow Jesus to pray for you? And how did, and the boy said, look, stop. All I know is that once I was blind, but now I can see. I uncap that well in the name of Jesus. And I say, let the gifts of the Spirit flow freely in the house of God under apostolic authority and government, but let them flow freely in the life of every believer. May every believer become a Mark 16 believer. These signs follow them that believe. They cast out devils. They lay hands. They speak with tongues. And if they drink or take or any heart or any deadly thing, it will not harm them because they're protected by the blood of the lamb. For centuries, healing ministries have drawn the multitudes to see the power of God. And God showed up. It's no wonder the enemy would attack signs and wonders. Because he know if you ever see someone do a miracle, I mean, I'm talking about a real miracle. I don't think you can walk away from God after that. I don't, I don't think you can. Now, if you just hear about it, read about it, but something about when you have your own experience, you cannot argue that away. And the Lord dealt with my heart in this season and he said, is Benny Hinn the last one that can fill up a stadium? 
Is Jimmy Swaggart and Billy Graham the last one that can fill up the soccer stadiums overseas? Reinhard Bonnke is the last one that can fill up the fields in Africa with people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we really okay just leaving those moments to the past? Are, are we really okay just watching what God did? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not okay with it. I'm not going to just watch it. I'm not saying I got to be the preacher of the meetings, but I sure do want to see it with my very own eyes in this generation. I want my children to go to a church where people are healed and deaf ears open and blind eyes are open and, and the paralyzed can walk and, and people that were unable to have children have miracle babies in the name of Jesus. I want my children to go to a church where cancers fall off of people and diabetes has no authority. Authority. I want to go to a church where doctors tell their patients, you know what, I've done everything I can do, but there's a place called Bethesda over there in White Sulphur Springs, and when you go to that house, they'll pray for you, and God does miracles. I'm prophesying it. I just saw it. I'm prophesying to you. There's a cancer doctor that's going to tell his patient, I've done everything I can. I've done everything they allow me. I've done everything the insurance will allow me to do. But there's a God named Jesus. And he pays better than what your HMO pays. He bought your complete healing. And there's a church called Bethesda that believes in the power of the name of Jesus. And if you'll go there, you will be healed. Lord, do it again. Shout with the voice of triumph in this house tonight. Do it again. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I walked over there and I had an open vision. I saw the doctor telling the patient, I saw him up close by the bed saying, I'm not supposed to tell you this. And, and, and they're going to testify about it in the church. I don't know when, when that testimony's come, but they're going to testify. The insurance said they paid everything they're going to pay. The doctor said, I've done everything I can do, especially according to the insurance. But what the insurance won't pay, hallelujah. The whipping post paid the price. I told pastor, we were talking about some stuff that you all are already involved in. And I told him, I said, I heard a man say it eloquently. I heard him say it this way. You have as much right to the promise of the whipping post as you do the promise of the cross of Calvary. Healing is as much a part of the covenant as salvation is. If I say you're saved... You somehow believe that. And I mean, I could point at a person that's been a drug addict, a prostitute. I mean, the worst of the worst. And we believe that if they pray a prayer and obey the scripture, we believe that heaven is their home. But you look at someone and say you're healed and they're. I don't know. I don't know. Let's go get that confirmed. Why don't you ask that ex-drug addict to go get his salvation confirmed? You can't do it because then you'd be guilty of the sin of the church of Acts chapter 9 when Saul of Tarsus came and turned into the apostle Paul. And they said, mm, I don't know. I don't know if the same blood that forgave me can forgive you. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if he can forgive you, he can forgive anyone. And if he can heal you, then there's nothing impossible for my God. Today's not an easy day for my family. Today, 
Today is the day that six years ago, my first wife passed away from leukemia. Six years ago today, I've been spending a lot of time with my kids today, making memories, remembering things that happened, telling funny stories, just watching old videos, making sure I'm with my family today. But it was this day six years ago that provoked me to get so angry with the devil that said, you think I'm going to stop praying for the sick? You think I'm going to stop preaching this message? You think I'm going to give up? You picked on the wrong person. I went to, after she died, after she passed away, it was obviously I was home with my kids for a long time. And my mother flew in from Chicago. My mother-in-law met me at the house one day. It was like an intervention. They're like, you need to go. I'm like, where? They're like, just go away. <laughs> You're stir crazy. Just go somewhere. So I did what any rational person would do. I went to South America and I went to Peru. And so I go to Peru. <laughs> Like the next day, I got in a plane the next day, I'm just going to go to Peru. And uh, I remember Pastor Sam, Sam Rodriguez, my pastor, uh, I called him on the plane uh, before we took off. I said, hey, listen, my mom, mother-in-law came over. They said I need to like go and like unwind. And he said, oh, yeah, man, that sounds good. Where, where are you going to go? And I was living in Virginia Beach at the time. He, where are you going to go? I said, I'm, I'm going to go to Peru. He said, Peru, Indiana? I'm like, no, no, uh, Peru, Peru. <laughs> he said, um, are, are, you, are you okay, right? Like, do you, do you need to talk to somebody? I said, why? He goes, well, you know, some people, when they say they're going to get away, you know, they go to the Greenbrier or, you know, they're, or maybe, you know, at least the day's in. But no, you say, no, I'm just going to go to South America. I'm just going to go climb a mountain, go visit Machu Picchu. But that's exactly what I did. None of this was planned or I would have put the pictures up. I went to Machu Picchu. It's this beautiful ancient city built over 1,600 years ago. Everything is pristine and perfect. Nobody knows how they got the stones up there. Nobody knows how they built it. But if you ever get the chance to visit it, it is a wonder of the world. And so I'm touring the city at the top of a mountain built over 1,600 years ago. I mean, I'm talking about we're at the tippy top. I'm not talking about Appalachian kind of a mountain. I'm talking about like a mountain mountain, you know, like above the clouds, like Moses hit the Ten Commandments kind of a mountain. And I'm touring this, and we get to a portion. I've walked through everything, and I get to a pile of boulders, just a pile of rubble. And I said, what's that? And he said, that's what I call a pile of potential. He said, that's where they stopped. No one knows why. No one knows why they gave up. All we know is this is where it stopped. He said, sir, look at it, and just imagine what it could have been. I had to ask him to walk away. I said, I, I need a minute alone. That place became an altar in my life because I had a vision of my funeral. And I saw people coming and looking at me and saying, oh, what could have been? Do you remember how he used to preach? Do you remember how he used to prophesy? So much potential lost. And I knelt down at those rocks and I said, Lord, my life is not going to end in a pile of potential. I'm not going to stop here. I'm coming off of this mountain, and I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep prophesying. I'm going to keep laying hands on the sick. That was six years ago. I have seen more. I've been in ministry for 24 years. I have seen more people healed in the last six years than I did in 18 years of ministry before. I uncapped that well tonight. <laughs> 
in the name of Jesus. And I say, may the gift of healing and the working of miracles abound in this house like never before. May this be a modern day Bethesda for the, I prophesied that over you before. You're a modern day Bethesda. This is a place where the, no, it, it's going to be, the rumor is going to get out. People are going to know when you get to that church, they don't just pray for you and cross their fingers. They pray for you and you leave completely healed of everything that's wrong with it. I want you to be provoked. After what this virus did to us, you ought to be so provoked. It was a vi- it was an air virus. He's the prince of the air, but our God is the king of kings. We take authority over the air. We take authority over every virus, over every infection, and we say no more. You do not have jurisdiction here. This is the house of healing and the working of miracles. I promise I'm trying to hurry. There's the well of the word of faith. There's the well of healing. And then I want to talk for a minute about this thing called the well of Pentecost. Because we've been known to get wild. Let our hair hang down. Okay, some of y'all know that song. Drink till we get married. Rolling on. There's a reason they call this Holy Rollers, ladies and gentlemen. People used to get sloppy drunk and the Holy Ghost be rolling. Before they were rolling down the river, they were rolling in the altar. We were known for our shouting and our dancing and our free worship, running aisles. Not Listen, if pastor said, no, don't you start doing stuff and get me canceled for next year. I really like coming here, okay? I'm just making, oh, is that a cancellation? Okay, I'm just, don't let him close off Facebook right now. I'm just teasing. We were known for our free worship. We were known for the power of our services. People would come and they might not remember one thing that we preached for an hour and 45 minutes, but they'd walk and say, ooh, I feel good. Man. You know how many people come out of a service and say, ooh, I like that service. What part of the sermon bless you? I don't have a clue what you preach about preaching, but I feel good. Man came up to me in my church. He said, ooh, that changed my life. And I said, what part in specifically like, I can't really tell you I mean this is like five minutes after I got done praying I can't really remember right now but I just know it was life-changing because Pentecostal church doesn't depend on the oratory skill of man we depend on the anointing of the Holy Ghost it's about getting people close to Jesus to feel that power that'll change their life and I uncap the well of Pentecost again and I say let Pentecostal power let Pentecostal praise let Pentecostal authority let it flow Lord do it again My daddy was a wild man. My dad, we, there was a, there was a, I don't even care to tell you about, I, I mean, I call everything out by name. There was a Baptist Bible college, a Baptist cessationist Bible college, didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, said it all ended with the apostles, didn't believe in speaking in tongues, didn't believe in any of the gifts of the Spirit. And that, that seminary wasn't too far from our house. And I remember, it was like, and the reason I remember it, it was like the book of John chapter three. It was like Nicodemus, who was a religious man, having to talk to Jesus at night. Why did Nicodemus come at night? Because the religious society couldn't see him talking to Jesus. And I remember Baptist preachers coming to my house where I lived. My, they would come at night. And I'm not talking about 6 p.m. for chi, you know chicken parmesan. I'm talking about they showed up at 9.30 through the back door. I'm like, you know, like, what are we doing in this house? I mean, like, you know, what? How, why do people come through the back door here? 
And they would come in and they would come to get Bible studies and to learn about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I can't, I can't even tell you how many people my dad prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost in our living room. I can remember my dad would send my brother and I down to the basement because, you know, I'm nosy. I want to know. I'm all up there. And I remember being sent to the basement, but I knew that when my dad started praying, he'd always pray with his eyes closed, you know, back then. So I knew that once I started hearing him pray in the Holy Ghost, I knew it was safe. So I'd come up the basement stairs and I'd crack that door open and I want to see, and I would see people that allegedly didn't believe in the power. I would see them on their knees trembling, speaking with other tongues as they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And here's my prayer tonight. Lord, do it again in every denomination, in every persuasion especially in the Pentecostal persuasion amongst those that are the children of tongue talkers. Lord, let it happen again. Let this entire generation speak with other tongues as the Holy Ghost gives them the utterance. Let them know the real power, the real fire, the real authority, the real anointing. Let them know that when you walk in Pentecostal power, there's no weapon formed against you that prospers. There's no devil that can stand against you. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Lord, do it again. Four. This one's directed at this side of the congregation. This well that I'm about to talk about has been abused probably a little more than these three. Now, there's other wells I could bring up, by the way. These are just the four I feel to focus on right now. This one has been, um, this one has been abused. This one has been misunderstood. But this one is necessary for all of the other wells. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes unashamedly about the well of prosperity. You bring up money in a church today and people get rigid, quiet. Don't believe me? You want to turn a Pentecostal service into a Lutheran service right now? Because this one has been manipulated. This one people have taken advantage of. You start talking prosperity and they'll send the musicians up right away. I saw you back. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. <laughs> but you can't finance the kingdom without this. I prophesy to you, this is the word of the Lord, that in a season, while the world says recession, 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 the body of Christ will say revival, revival, revival. This recession will not come upon thee or thy children. You will be blessed in this season. Fatted calves in your lawn and in your farm will be your testimony. Your blessing will testify to the goodness of God in this season. And it will cause your neighbors to ask you, what are you investing in? Where are you putting your money? And you're going to say, let me tell you about a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You can trust in him. Some trust in Elon, others in Bill Gates. But I I trust in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Some trust in horses, others in chariots. Some trust in cryptocurrency and others in gold. But I trust in the God that made all the gold and all the silver. He doesn't know recession. He doesn't know lack. He doesn't know poverty. He doesn't know inflation. When you serve him, you go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And I'm prophesying over you prosperity, abundance, and blessing. And if you want it, you ought to raise your hands and just... Just pull it in right now. 
I'm taking it all. I got five children I got put through college, and they're not going into debt in Jesus' name, and I'm not going to borrow government money in Jesus' name. I don't need Uncle Joe to pay off these student loans. My God's name is Jehovah Jireh, the God that supplieth my every need. He'll give me according to his riches and glory. You have no reason to be looking to the government, looking to man, looking to your job, looking to your skill. I lift mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help, my my help, ooh, I wish I had an organ right now. My help cometh from the Lord. You ought to praise him if you believe that. You know, the fathers, the modern day fathers that taught us this message. I, I'm, I'm going to say some names. Whether you care for all of them or not, I don't. Quite frankly, I'm just going to tell you. The modern day fathers of this message, they weren't doing it so that everybody could get a Cadillac. Now listen, I'm not hating on your Cadillac. Thank you, Jesus. Me too, Lord. There's nothing wrong with the evidence of blessing, okay? The evidence of blessing testifies that you're doing something right. It's when it becomes the obsession of your life because then you're guilty of idolatry. When it's all about money and all about the next house and the next car and what name brand you're wearing, you've made idols. And God says, I share my glory with no other. But the blessing testifies that the systems of the kingdom work. You ever met someone give you financial advice and it doesn't work for them, but you ought to try it anyhow. They didn't make any money selling those milkshakes on Facebook, but they're sure if you do it, you will. Did I say too much? I'm sorry. People believe in what they can witness. And when you apply the principles of the kingdom, when you do what God taught, there is evidence of the blessing of God. There's a bishop in Atlanta named Bishop Dale Bronner, incredible man of God. He's got a little, little 25,000 member church over there. And, you know, pray for him. Maybe the Lord will bless him to have a mega church one day. But, you know, just, just only 25,000 right now. And he's extremely, extremely blessed in business. And eight or nine years ago, I met him and we were talking. And he said, how do you measure wealth? And I said, well, in my mind, I think about Uncle Scrooge on DuckTales. Swimming in the money tower. You remember what I'm talking about? He said, so for you, accumulation is the measure of wealth. I said, yeah, the more you have, the better you're doing. He said, that's not how you measure wealth. Wealth isn't measured in how much you have, but in how little you need. So you could drive a Kia from 1993 with 300,000 miles, but if that thing is running and you don't have need of anything else, you're wealthy. If you have a, house, a, a roof over your head, you got a house, you're wealthy. If you can pay your bills, you're, it, it's just, you say, well, I don't have any of those things. Well, if you can at least call Uber, at least you have that. It's about perspective. It's not how much I have, it's how little I need. Don't get caught up in the rat race of the world that says wealth is measured by the belt that you wear. 
or the car that you drive. No, wealth is measured. Are your children saved? Are you living for God? Has God blessed you? Can you pay your bills? Is there food on your table? Is there a roof over your head? Then I decree that you're blessed and highly favored. This well of prosperity is needed for global evangelization. We used to understand these principles. Some go, some give by going, others go by giving. And we understood that I might not be able to go to the uttermost parts of the world, but when I sow a seed into missions, it's as if I'm on the plane or the boat with them. I told my wife, I said, my heart is to spend the rest of my days in the persecuted regions of the world. She got real close to me. I thought she's going to, you know, like give me a kiss or something. Oh, I love your heart. She got my shirt, got my jacket, and she said, listen, buddy, you're not leaving me here with five teenagers all by myself. <laughs> you're staying right here. I'm just kidding. Okay, she's watching. I love you. So I understand I got five kids, but so how do I go? I go through my gift. But by doing so, I'm quickening the coming of the Lord. Amen. So I believe in this principle here. I believe God wants you to be wealthy. I believe, and when I say wealthy, it's under the definition that I gave you. I don't believe he wants the children of God in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to the point where you can't bless your family. And you can't take a little vacation and be able to unwind and you're so stressed out over money that you get divorced and your children can't go. To, uh, no, no, that's not, don't tell me that's the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord is that you apply the principle that of everything he gives you, you give him his 10% and he'll take it and bless your 90% like you, it, it's as if you had 200 hundred percent you say well yeah but someone took it too far so so someone has taken everything else too far someone someone started using steroids in baseball but you still like baseball just because one person goes off the tracks doesn't mean that we abandon the message you say, well, why would the enemy attack this one? Because this one stunts the growth of the kingdom. I believe that we are in a season, okay? And I said, I believe it. If, if I'm right, if I've heard from the Lord, then there'll be a witness, meaning you'll see it. I believe we're in a season of supernatural debt cancellation, supernatural income increase, it's like the Israelites leaving Egypt. The last miracle of leaving Egypt was not the seven plagues, but God said, go back and get all, Pharaoh, get all of Pharaoh's gold and silver. Because I'm not just giving you a promised land. I'm financing the journey along the way. They weren't poor in the wilderness, ladies and gentlemen. They had gold. They had Pharaoh's gold and silver. And I'm telling you right now, Every spirit of this world, every, every sinful business has had that money too long. I say a transfer of wealth come to the body of Christ in Jesus' name. May your mortgage supernaturally be canceled in this season. May you get a raise on top of a raise on top of a raise. In fact, may you stop working for men and may you start employing men because God gives you business and businesses. I'm prophesying farms and ranches and businesses and technology and money 
and wealth and inheritances and even old money come to you. May you prosper. May you be wealthy in the name of Jesus. You say, I don't know about all that. Well, Brother Abraham, you remember him? Well, you know him as Father Abraham. He had many sons. You remember him? I'm one of them. So are you. Let's all praise the Lord. Left arm. Left. Okay. Father Abraham, if you study his life, they say he was worth, with inflation, three to six billion dollars. That's a lot of money. I read that as a 22-year-old preacher. It's 20 years ago. And I said, oh, God, bless me like Abraham. And that's the day I heard the audible voice of God. Oh, Tony, obey me like Abraham. He wasn't the father of the name it and claim it movement. He was the father of the hear it and obey it movement. He heard God, he obeyed, he was blessed. He heard God, he obeyed, he was blessed. He heard God, he obeyed, he was prosperous. Your prosperity is on the other side of obedience. Hear the word of the Lord, apply the word of the Lord, and then watch you get blessed and your children and your children's children. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the father, the son, and the grandson. He's the God that in Acts 2.39 said this promises unto you and unto your children and unto your children's children. And if Pastor Sam was here he'd say and your children's 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 children and yea even those that are far off I believe that God wants to bless you so big how big brother Tony so big that your great grandchildren walk around not having to worry about money and when someone asks them what is it about you how did you get to where you are they're going to have to point back and say I have a grandfather that uncapped the well of prosperity many years ago he believed in the principle of sowing seeds and tithing and God blessed him in such a measure our whole bloodline is blessed there is no poverty there is no debt there is no Lord do it again musicians come I'm done musicians come I speak musicians into existence my God Lord, let some singers appear right now. Hallelujah. I guess you're the singer because you're the one that walked out as soon as I said singers. Those, those fathers of, 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 of faith, Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Fred K. Price, who's now with the Lord. Those, uh, uh, Dr., Dr. Price used to say he was the prophet of prosperity. He'd drive around Los Angeles blessed. And he said, you know why I do it? Because the only people that have nice cars in East L.A. are drug dealers. See, we, we, we misunderstood. Sometimes we misunderstood. Sometimes we didn't get it. Dr. Price said, you know why I drive a nice car? Because the only people that drive nice cars in my neighborhood are drug dealers. And so young boys think that if you want a nice car, you sell drugs. I want young boys to know, you want a nice car? Preach the gospel, tithe, give offerings, go to church, and God will bless you. 
I want God to bless Bethesda to such a measure that when people see you blessed, they'll say, you know what? I'm not going to sell meth. I'm not going to get drunk. I'm not going to go. I'm talking to Tennessee right now. There's not blessing in moonshine. There's blessing in the new wine. I'm saying, let them see the blessing of the Lord over you. And they'll say, what is it? And it'll give you an open door to say, let me tell you about Jesus. When you take this book and you apply it to every area of your life, it'll change everything. It'll save your soul, heal your body, and it'll bless your bank account, your marriage, your ministry. Everything will change. You don't think there's prosperity around us? Think about this. When Christian television began, those people that got you to where you are by what you used to watch, those preachers like Brother Price and Pastor Parsley, all of them, they were, some of them were paying a million dollars a week. A million dollars a week to be on television because there was no social media. Now think about it. In 2022, Facebook's free. Stop cursing Mark Zuckerberg all the time. Lord, I thank you for your servant, Mark Zuckerberg. I know you get mad at Twitter and Instagram, but Lord, I thank you for free channels. In fact, I think if you could, when we get to heaven, you ask Brother Price, say, hey, how much are you paying? 40 million a year to be on television? Yeah, I, I do it for free. He might say, Lord, can I go back down and get a do-over, maybe live in the 21st century? We are blessed in this season. Why did God do that? God freed up the money so that we could apply it in other areas for the advancement of the kingdom. That's blessing. That's prosperity. There's some of you in this room, you say, I want to, I really want to do such and such for the Lord, but this, this, this financial commitment is tying me down. Well, what if God supernaturally eliminated it? Some would just go on vacations. Whew, that's done with. But what if he's reallocating the funds? What used to be three car payments, what if you get to keep two, but God says, give me one to fund missions around the world? What if God pays your house off and all of a sudden you don't have a mortgage, but you say, God, because you helped me pay the house off, I'm going to take a portion of what used to be my mortgage and I'm going to give it to missionaries. I'm going to give it to, I'm a, Lord, you know what? Thank you for canceling the debt on my house, but I want to make sure the mortgage on Bethesda is canceled as well. So Lord, in Jesus' name, my spiritual house isn't going to have debt. It's not going to have lack. That pastor's never going to have to come up and say, Ladies and gentlemen, we need some money for paint or we need money for this. But we're believing that this is going to be a book of Acts, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, 5, and 6 church where there's so much. God has blessed us so much. In fact, it runs over. Ooh, I like it when you shout back there. I don't know who you are, but I like that shout. Woo! I bought... I promise I'm closing. Musicians and singers come so that they believe that I'm actually done. If you'll come out here, they'll, we need some faith. Can someone pay them so that they'll come? I'm just teasing. I'm just, they're like, I'm not coming out till I get my blessing. I'm just teasing. No one get offended. <laughs> they're all here. All right. I bought a little business a few weeks ago where I live. It's a it's a shaved ice business. 
because I got five kids that need jobs and now they have no excuse. Well, dad, they're not hiring. <laughs> the devil is a liar. You, you're hired. What does it pay? Whatever I say. What's the hours? Whenever I say go. So I bought this little shaved ice business. Now, I can get a sermon out of anything, Pastor Chad. I go into the little hut one day with the former owner. He said, I'm going to show you how to do this, you know, how you make the shaved ice. He said, you put the cup under the machine. He said, when you flip the machine on, that ice comes out real fast. And it looks like it's filled the cup. He says, but right when it looks like the cup is filled, you got to press it down. He goes, and then you got to shake it up a little bit. And right there, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right there, I'm like. He said, you press it down and then you fill it up. You press it down, you shake it up. He said, and listen, it's going to run over a little bit right then. I'm like, sorry, hold up. I'm like, all right, tell me the rest. He said, <laughs> he said, there's so much ice. It comes out so quick. You'll have to press it down. You have to shake it up, but it is going to run over, but that's all right. And I said, sir, I'm going to go preach about this next week because that's how my God blesses. He's going to give it to you. Press down. Shaken together and running over because he's not just going to bless your house. He's going to bless your neighbor. He's going to bless your children. He's going to give you so much that you're going to be a generous donor. I'm declaring prosperity come. Lord, do it again. Do it. Money come to you. Supernatural debt cancellation come. Pentecost come. Healing come. May the word of faith let it come. Someone shout, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. That's it. That's all I wanted to tell you tonight. He's going to do it again. Like the days of old. I don't expect you to play it. Revival's coming again. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. You need to be looking for blessing. Doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are. Christmas Eve, every kid sleeps with one eye open. Because they know they're waking up to something. Even those of you that don't believe in Christmas. That kid says, something's still coming. I decree it. My parents aren't going to stop saying a glory to God. And every one of them has an auntie that slipped them a little gift or something. You need to be expectant. Speak and look for it to be fulfilled. Pray and expect healing to come. Operate in the power of Pentecost and expect the God of Pentecost to show up. Give your tithe, give your offering, sow seeds, and expect a return bigger than anything Bitcoin could have ever given you in any season of Bitcoin. Sow, reap, sow, reap, sow, reap, and watch God bless you. And I feel to share one, I, I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just, ex, I don't know, encouraged tonight. Don't be generous for cameras let me explain if God tells you to go buy a hundred hamburgers for the homeless you don't have to put it on camera 
get your reward in heaven. Your reward in heaven is better than a hundred likes on the earth. You don't have to tell everybody. I'm, I'm trying to teach my kids, be anonymous, generous givers. Be the best tippers at the restaurant. I mean, just bless people. Be walking through the mall. Lord told me to give you $50. And then walk away. They don't need your name. They don't need to follow you. Just, just bless people and watch how God will send people to bless you. If you become generous and you watch how generosity will just come all over your life. Listen, I'm believing God for big things in this season. I'm believing airplanes are coming back to the ministry. I'm believing that, that residential areas are coming back. I'm telling you, buildings and real estate and prosperity. And I'm telling you, God is going to bless us to the point where our enemies are going to say, okay, fine. Fine. Isn't that what the Bible says? I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Ladies and gentlemen, put up a seat. It's time to be blessed. It's time to be wealthy. It's time to be healed. It's time to be empowered. It's time to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Lord, do it again. If you're here tonight and you need healing in your body, when I count to three, I want you to join me in this altar. If you're here tonight and anything that I preached about spoke to you and you say, preacher, I want that well. I want the well of the word of faith. I want the well of signs and wonders. I want the well of Pentecost or I want the well of prosperity. If you say, I want that uncapped in my life and I want that flowing. If that's you at the count of three, I'm waiting for you in this altar. One, two, three. Come now. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.